What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And you, and you, and you, and you were there. Some of it wasn't very nice, but most of it was beautiful. Hello, and, we, and welcome we back returned. to Dream Idiots. After a, a lovely two-week hiatus, uh, this is Morris, and the other fellow is Brian. We hope you enjoyed your two weeks off from us, <laughs> but but we're back. Uh, hope you were able to pass along our re-presentations of episodes 12 and 15 over the last couple of weeks, but we are uh, recharged, ready to go with episode 40. And Brian, how did you like my little part of the country when you came up last week? It's a beautiful It was Colorado. delightful. Yeah, we had the um, what I'm calling the Dream Idiots quarterly staff meeting. Uh, went to Red Rocks, saw an amazing concert. And, they didn't play uh, long enough, though. I mean, uh, that was like just... <laughs> I think it's still going on, uh, and it does. It was, I, I think, I'm not sure, but I think some some bad apples might have been smoking the reefer while we were there. There was definitely uh, a green cloud over the red rocks yeah. when we were there. Yeah, uh, um, folks, if you ever have the chance to see King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard in concert, do it. Uh, yeah, it's top, an amazing top show. five concert for me, probably all time. Uh, that uh, was, I, yeah, same here. Amazing. Yeah, very, very, very good show. So Brian, where can the good folks go to find out more about our little our little corner of the world here? That is you Dream can Idiots. you can check us out at dreamidiots.com. We are on Instagram and on Facebook. You can write to us at dreamidiotspodcast at gmail. Uh, please like us and share us and follow us on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Uh, if you have a topic you want to suggest, we've actually gotten some a couple other Halloween topics. So that someone wants to wants us to to cover, uh, maybe okay. you have a, maybe maybe you have a curse word going to do. Um, we can do that as well. So uh, reach out to us, share our stuff, let us know what you think. Um, our listeners are definitely trending up, and that's always a good sign. And you can also, if you go to dreamidiots.com, you can check uh, click on the on the merchandise and check out our our swag as well. I got some good stuff there too. Now, as I mentioned earlier, it's episode forty. It's an even episode, which means I'll go first. But Brian, you had an update. A rather unpleasant update, I think, on one of the stories that you've been following, right? Just, you know, very, very, very briefly. Um, on two prior episodes, we talked about uh, a guy named Alan Eugene Miller. He's the guy who was on death row in Alabama. Uh, and if you've heard this, heard about the story either with us or elsewhere, uh, Alabama. He's the he's the only person, at least at present, who has been sent to the death chamber and actually survived. Uh, three of the last four executions that Alabama has attempted, they have botched. This guy is still alive. Um, and it, it is it's just disgusting. Um, but there is a very good article, uh, the October, um, published on October 2nd, uh, just, uh, just on Atlantic Online. It's not in the magazine. Article by a woman named Elizabeth Brunig, who goes into the entire botched execution. I only read about half of it. It is a absolutely fucking brutal story. Um, she apparently works in the space, writes in the space. Miller actually asked her to be present, so he he knows her, and so she you know she was there at his request and witnessed the absolute debacle that was this attempt of execution so anyway the the link to this article i'm going to put in the show notes for anyone that is interested but be forewarned it is a 
make that's a read that's will make your skin crawl i think so it's, i made it's it awful. about a third of the way through it right <laughs> I, I read it about oh an hour before we started recording and i made it about third of yeah, the way through it and said i, I it, need to finish this later yeah this it definitely is... makes makes you uh wince or something it's it's it's, it's tough um so brian will have that up on the next on our uh on our sources and stuff for the episode um well let's get started with my segment of the episode brian how do you feel about dimes 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 yeah like the little as coins. in the coin yeah. yeah i'm i'm ambivalent about dimes I, I prefer them to nickels but i'm i don't i don't really have a strong opinion on dimes okay i see what you're doing uh, this this question has nothing to do with today's topic i just uh-huh. wanted to make sure that that myself and the listeners that we know where you stand on dimes okay. when the shit comes down between the different <laughs> kinds of currencies uh, because here at dream idiots we don't return from a hiatus with a bang we return with a what huh what? uh no this has nothing to do with dimes this okay. segment that i'm going to talk about today uh came about when recent coverage of hurricane ian and uh our uh our hearts and sympathies go out to the folks who've been affected by that out on the East coast and elsewhere. Um, there was a news anchor and this news anchor uttered the, the following and I'm paraphrasing here, but it was roughly like this in reference to the damage inflicted upon Puerto Rico quote, roughly quote, paraphrasing. It's a good thing. We have better infrastructure in this country. Oh, right. So what's, what's problematic about that statement, Brian? um puerto rico has been a part of these united states for a long for, for long 125 time. i mean like the 1870s i mean long ass time well funny you should mention that brian uh, just prior to world war ii the united states had eight inhabited territories eight mm-hmm. inhabited territories so i'm not including on this list things like howland island wake island things that do not have indigenous population folks right. on it yeah it just has maybe a military base or military outpost right right so i can only get five of the eight can you name the the eight inhabited territories we had just prior to world war ii uh no i cannot no um so puerto rico that's one other inhabited ter- u.s territories american samoa yep um Florida. No, um other American uh US Virgin Islands. That's three. I'm I'm dying to say Bermuda, but I think that's either that's UK or Dutch. Um shoot, I think that's all I got. Guam. Oh fuck! I should have known Guam. Yeah, okay. okay. Uh, the Philippines. The Philippines. You already said Puerto Rico, uh-huh. right? You said the U.S. Virgin Islands. Did you say the U.S. Virgin Islands? I don't yeah. think. You, did you say okay? Yeah. Uh, Guam, American Samoa, and then the three I missed because I was being a a, a real dumb butt. Um, <laughs> Hawaii and Alaska prior to <laughs> were prior oh, to oh, okay, territories, okay. right? And then the the one that really tripped me out the Panama Canal Zone was considered a territory. Oh. Okay. Or it was ceded back to Panama in 1979. Um, but the reason I bring this up is because I want to talk a little bit about something that happened to the Philippines at the end of World War II. But uh, this comes from a book I've, I've been reading. I'm about finished with it called How to Hide an Empire by Daniel Emerwar, a history professor out of Northwestern. It's a fantastic look at basically a history of what he calls the greater United States, the, the places I just talked about. And in 1940, just prior to World War II, take a guess, what percentage of the U.S. population resided in the territories? A percentage. What what percentage? Mm -hmm. 2%. Wow. 18,833,023 people resided in the territories. For a grand total of that being 12.5% of Americans lived in the 12.5%. Way, yeah, way higher than we have. 131 million, almost 131.7 million folks resided in the mainland for a total of 150 million point five people just prior to 1940. I would not have guessed as high as 12.5 million uh, percent. 12.5 percent is amazing to me. Right. That that many folks lived in the territory, the, the majority of them in the Philippines. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the Philippines. 
predominantly colonized by the Spanish from 1565 to 1898. The British forces had a little bit of occupation there, 1762 to 1764. They celebrate June 12th as Independence Day from Spain when the United States defeated Spain in the Spanish-American War. Uh, the Philippine-American War lasted from 1899, February through July of 1902, and it was annexed as a result of the Treaty of Paris. The U.S. gave Spain 20 million U.S. dollars for the Philippines. And from that time forward, for a period of 44 years, the Philippines were a territory. And ostensibly, the American role in the Philippines was one of the, what they called tutelage, Right. Building mm -hmm. a better democracy. Here's how you do it. So forth and so on. And of course, in World War II, Manila fell, as a lot of places did in the Pacific to the Japanese forces. And the Japanese occupation of Manila occurred from 42 to 45. And as that fell apart, when MacArthur returned, there were a, a variety of groups vying for control. And I'm not going to get into the specifics of it because I want to leave that for folks to read the book because the book is great when i use a book like this i don't want to take all of the air out of the book i, I want to leave room for someone to sit and read it because he does a terrific job of going through the different histories of the different territories um but there was a group of guerrillas that were supported by macarthur and his forces because macarthur had pledged to return to manila i shall return as they uh swept through and defeated the japanese forces so I'm going to read a little bit from M.O.R.'s book. In August of 1945, the War Department announced after the war, after World War II, that it would require 2.5 million soldiers for the next year in 1946. This did not sit well with the folks at home. Mm -hmm. Truman <laughs> received 60,000 postcards in a single day demanding that the troops be sent home. At the rate we are demobilizing troops in a very short time, his group argued, we will have no means by which we can enforce our demands in the Pacific. So let's take a look at this. This was, for many, the last straw. Days after Truman's announcement, 20,000 GIs marched in Manila and gathered at the ruins of the legislative building. They wanted to go home, of course. That was the main thing, and for some, the only thing. Yet others, including the leaders, had seen the Asian Spring firsthand and objected strenuously to being kept around to suppress it. Quote, let us leave the Chinese and Filipinos to take care of their own internal affairs, one soldier said. The Filipinos are our allies. We ain't going to fight them. The demonstrators read a letter of support from the Filipino Democratic Alliance. That was one of the many groups that was, you know, trying to oust the Japanese. Right, sure. The organizers, meanwhile, passed a resolution declaring solidarity with the Filipino guerrillas. Lieutenant General W.D. Styler, commanding general of the Army Forces in the West Pacific, addressed them in by radio. He pointed to the vast new tasks that the United States must undertake in Asia, but the men didn't listen. They booed and catcalled, drowning <laughs> out whole paragraphs of his speech. And Emeroir has a lovely picture of this sign being held up that says, uh, we shall never forget, words are cheap, send us home. And it's being held up by American soldiers, right, in World War II. The Manila protest, and this is, this is the interesting part, because I don't remember being taught this in high school. <laughs> the Manila protest set off a string of other protests. 20,000 soldiers protested in Honolulu, 3,000 in Korea. 5,000 in Calcutta. On Guam, the men burned the Secretary of War in effigy, <laughs> and more than 3,000 sailors staged a hunger strike. Protests erupted in China, Burma, Japan, France, Germany, Britain, and Austria, too, with supporting demonstrations in Washington, Chicago, and New York. What kind of government is this? asked one of the soldiers. What are we that scream piously, the world must be free? and then keep it to ourselves. That sentiment animated the most dogged of the protesters. Another GI complained that in the oriental surge towards freedom, we cling to imperialism. All the members of the 823rd Engineer Aviation Battalion in Burma, and we talked about Burma uh -huh, yeah, several sure. episodes ago, 
an African-American unit sent Truman a letter saying that they were disgusted with the undemocratic American foreign policy. They did not want to be associated with the shooting and bombing to death, the freedom urge of the peoples of the Southeast Asiatic countries. We do not want to unify China with bayonets and bombing planes. That to me is astonishing. That this <laughs> happened at the end of World War II. Mm-hmm. Because if I brought this up, and, and asked anybody this question, you know, when did soldiers protest their own involvement in the war? I would have said, well, Vietnam's veteran veterans against the war. I would have thought right, of guys sure, like, yeah, yeah I, I, I've uh, never heard this before. Bill Earhart, right? The, 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 the poet that came, it, it spoke to us in college. who would written books about this. who was mm-hmm. in Swarthmore and did all these protestings, but here, these guys in world war two went and did this, right? So what did America do? And here's where I'm reminded of Eddie Izzard's bit about the end, all the world leaders getting together at the end of World <laughs> right. War II. Everybody England. give up your colonies. England, what's that behind your back? Is that India? July 4th, 1946 is celebrated as Independence Day from the United States. Now, in the intervening decades with the Philippines, what's it best remembered for, Ryan? Oh, well, um, Ferdinand Marcos. Ferdinand and Imelda Marcos. Right. Uh, how would you describe that particular administration? Oh, you know, vaguely autocratic, fascist, over the top. I mean, Amelda and her, you know, three thousand pairs of shoes, corrupt. Um, yeah, absolutely corrupt. You know, they they just you know they sucked. You know, they bled the country dry. Um, How Howard Zinn, historian Howard Zinn, would agree mm-hmm, with sure. you. He said, "Quote: Ran the Philippines ruthlessly and amassed a huge fortune." before being finally overthrown in 1988. And of course, until June of this last year, the most recent president was Rodrigo Duterte, Mm -hmm. who himself was accused of many, many human rights violations, who talked of just shooting people randomly in the street. Yeah, Corazon Aquino was assassinated. I mean, right, right. Yeah, yeah, a a wonderful, a wonderful uh, national populist of which we have no, (laughs) you know, similar corollary here in the United States. Not at all. (laughs) The only president of the Philippines not to declare his personal assets. So again, you know, no corollary here in the United States. (laughs) Do you know who the current Philippine president is, Brian? I do not. Is it uh, um, is it actually Marcos uh, Marcos Child? No. Ferdinand Bong Bong Marcos Jr. That's my he middle goes name. Goes by Bong Bong. Oh yeah. Bong Bong. Mm-hmm. Right. Bong Bong. Bong Bong. Bong Bong. Good. So, I, I don't know what all this says. <laughs> I don't know what all it means. Um. I guess it kind of goes to that old saying that you can get what you want and still not be very happy. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I have no claim to a great sense of history for the Philippines or for the territory. That's what guys like Daniel MOR are for in their excellent books. Uh Um, But how bad are your growing pains as a burgeoning, burgeoning democracy when you're dealing with the kind of things that we've seen corrupt our democracy? Um, the proliferation of money, the the influence of colonialism that exists, even when you have the very men who are fighting for these for these ideals saying, no, we shouldn't be doing this. Leave these folks alone. Right. right. Um, I don't know. It's just something that I think about a lot when I look at uh, when we talk about what what good has our country done? And, and we have done many, many good things. Don't get me wrong. But there's also this history of fucking about where perhaps we shouldn't be fucking about after a while and mm-hmm. yeah not not minding our business and um i don't know having this um i don't know this righteous involvement in in anything yeah and this whole idea of tutelage i mean what does that mean tutelage i mean well it, it, it means it, servitude essentially it's um you know we're better than you and you know we need you to accept, you know acknowledge and accept the fact that we are superior uh this would all go this, this would all go much simpler it'd be much much faster if you just understood that you were um somehow uh inept or in some way inferior <laughs> basically okay. that's the voice of the colonizer no matter where, whether you're coming wave, uh, waving flags of democracy or or flags of the monarchy right i mean right. that's oh yeah that's sure the right. basic language of the colonizer so right 
find, um, find land, stick your flag in it, and then dominate it, and anyone that's there. <laughs> yes, and the beatings will continue until the morale improves. Um, anyway, that that's kind of all I really wanted to talk about, just kind of to get rest again with with doing weekly episodes. But I highly recommend this book, Daniel Imoar's 2019 book. How to Hide an Empire, A History of the Greater United States. If you're at all interested in what he does, is he goes back to the very origins of all these territories and, and colonies, and he brings it up to the present day. It's it's really a remarkable read if you're interested at all in, particularly in post-World War II America and the history of, of what happened to all these places. And of course, some of them became states, Alaska and Hawaii. And right. those histories are very fascinating as to how we got a hold of those. And uh, Guam and, and the Northern Mariana Islands and that is one thing that I wanted to close with was um, the notes on, yes, our last one. Um, the last thing I wanted to close with is the current population status of populations of our territories. Mm-hmm. So we have lost in the, 2020, in the 2020 population census, we've lost Hawaii, Alaska, the Panama Canal Zone, and the Philippines, right? And the Philippines was a big hit because that was 18 million folks. Right. We have gained the Northern Mariana Islands. So the total population of our territories today stand at 3.6 million people. The so total population of the U.S. <laughs> is 334 yeah. million people. So the total population for the territories is 1.08%. So it is decreased significantly mainly with the liberation of the philippines puerto rico now stands as the most populous of the u.s territories where those folks are indeed u.s citizens sources for this piece were daniel moir's how to hide an empire from 2019 howard zen's declarations of independence another great book from 1990 and wikipedia for current population stats and basic info on the territories nice well, you know, those damn Puerto Ricans would just learn, learn to be American. We wouldn't, you know, all their problems would be solved, right? It's enraging. And or it's the whatever. same people over and over again who insist, well, if they ran it like our country. <laughs> right. Are you confusing it with Cuba? What I don't, what's the, what's the. I I think that's what's happening 90% of the time. <laughs> right, right. They can't tell the difference between Cuba yeah. and Puerto Rico. Right. Yeah. Well, all those brown people, are they all look the same, you know. So you Islands really, are kind of shaped alike. It's uh, whatever. You can't ask us to differentiate. Like, come on, this is that requires, um, you know, critical thinking and empathy. So can't do that. All right, nice job. Thanks, thanks for that. Thank you, sir. All right, shifting gears here quickly. You ready? Uh, I am never ready for this, Brian, but I shall. I shall endeavor to do my best. What do you have for me? Dream idiots curse word of the week. All right. Uh, so <laughs> this is a story that I just, I, I don't know. I just had to use this. So uh, I gave you a hint about, about this one and I didn't give you the results of this. So um, NASA decided to send a spaceship out to the seventh planet in our solar system. And they announced online they were having a competition to name uh, this spaceship. Okay. And they, <laughs> you know what's coming. So they posted yeah. online. Yeah, yeah. And they asked for requests. Please name the probe that we're sending to Uranus. Yep, they actually posted that online and they and they thought people were going to take it seriously. And people didn't. People made jokes out of it. God damn it. You know, you should just learn to take things seriously. The, um, in my estimation, the, the best non joke suggestion was, uh, Tenzing Norgay. That's a great name. Great. You know, great to honor. Everybody needs a Tenzing Norgay. Yeah. yeah, Great to honor a perhaps lesser known figure from, uh, exploration, et cetera. Um, you know, who may have, who may have actually been the first person up there and not the other right, guy. Right, right. So yeah, um, Morse and I, full disclosure, we're, we're both a little bit of a of Everest enthusiast, so have read quite a bit about uh, Everest and and that part of the world. So you know, cool to see his name pop up. Um, I'll just you know, quickly give you the, the ones the ones that made me laugh were um, the USS Dark Star, the Starfish. Oh God. <laughs> Uh, deep impaction. (laughs) 
And <laughs> the one at the top of the list, Proby McProbe face. Of course. Of course. So anyway, there you have it. Uh, I think the I think the naming company competition has closed. I'm not sure. I didn't see what they've chosen if they have chosen one yet. So anyway, NASA sending a probe to Uranus, and and people thought that was funny. So, uh, so is, the, is is the dark star a reference to? Is that a reference to the John Carpenter film, or is that a <laughs> yes, reference uh-huh. to? Because that's a. I mean. I think that's a reference to a sphincter, but I'm not completely sure. <laughs> and what was the name of the star cosmic starfish? What was the name of the star? Just, Joe, the, starfish? Joe, just the, the starfish. Uh deep impaction, which, <laughs> which that's personally is my favorite. <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> and Proby McProbe face, of course, is a callback to uh was it the icebreaker that the up in yeah, Canada, I, yeah for icebreaker for Norway. I forget, I forget where it was. Canada, was Bodie McBoatface. Yeah. Bodie yeah. McBoatface, yeah. <laughs> Bodie McBoatface. And I think they actually used, they actually named it that, didn't they? Well, you know, it is kind of a, it is kind of a contract when you have these naming contracts. Right. That, yes, you can't just uh, willy-nilly, you know, pull out whatever the Bob Barker, which is what you know that that one preservation group did. Um, so there you go. Just a little bit of silliness here in the middle. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, so for my segment this week, I don't know. I did a bunch of research, and I originally was going to talk about a uh, the the endless array of things that you and I were taught in the uh, the delightful institution of, of education that is public education in Texas and talk about the extraneous things that we were taught as you know, taught were basically, you know, sacrosanct as kids, as whatever teenagers that are basically no longer true are, are, are basically shown to be uh, not true. And in doing some research, I kind of, took a little bit of a left turn and I'm going to, we're going to talk a little bit here, maybe more broadly about um, education and facts and truth. And, and I'm going to, I decided, decided to stay out of the weeds of some of these individual issues that come up. Lot, there are lots of issues, in, maybe in Texas, especially, maybe this is true everywhere, but Texas history and things like the battle of the Alamo, you know, things that are taught in public school are not necessarily as accurate as maybe they could be so instead of doing that we're going to talk more broadly about kind of the nature of science and truth and facts and how we should at least in my estimation do a better job of approaching the task of i don't know for lack of a better term intuition and critical thinking so you have likely heard the term half-life the half-life of elements sure uh, so, so you know, the half life of of an element, half life of of iridium or iron, is is a critical um, process that is used to determine the age of something. Once it's you know, um, geologists can d- can dig in and figure out how old a a a, a rock sample is based on its half life, because these elements deteriorate at known rates. This term 
has now been used a little bit and uh and there's now the term called the half-life of facts which is what i was kind of kind of what i was speaking to and it's the half-life of facts that causes textbooks to become irrelevant over time and why, and why textbooks have to be updated and changed and rewritten because new information is learned uh over time and and you know some things are, are, are deemed to be untrue that used to be true etc so there is there is decay in facts and and in their uh, and in their accuracy so broadly speaking across the sciences in general there is now this notion that the half-life of facts is right around 50 years. half of the information that that was taught in textbooks in 1972 is now absolutely not true um but the problem is that number varies significantly based on field of study and uh, you know a number of other things. It can be, it can be actually quite a bit shorter than fifty years. It can be quite a bit longer than fifty years. But it, it depends on the nature of the work, nature of the research, what findings are are discovered uh, over time, how they're developed, how they're processed and analyzed, et cetera, over time. So you have this this um, sort of data creep issue where things are never are never true permanently and i think that when you and i were kids i won't speak for you when i was a kid when i was when i was taught something i was given i was given a rule i assumed that was that was going to be true and it's true now and it's true forever that's a that's a childlike um perspective of, of things so you and i presumably in i think second or third grade uh that would have been when you and i first learned about dinosaurs and as i recall i have a very clear memory of learning about dinosaurs, thinking they're just about the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my entire life. Uh, and we learned about Tyrannosaurus rex and the pterodactyl and triceratops and the brontosaurus. And the brontosaurus is this gigantic lumbering beast that was, I think was an herbivore, may, may, may have been an omnivore. Uh, but it turns out they discovered over time that the brontosaurus is not, is not actually one is one species of animal. It's actually a genus. So there actually are, I think, three, maybe four other species of animals that fall under the category of brontosaur. So science learns something, right? So we were taught that brontosaur was one animal. Now, in fact, it is three or four. And that that uh, data point has now changed and it's now being presented differently in, te in these textbooks. Another great example of where science learned something that they, that they didn't used to know we were taught, I very I recall this clearly as well, being taught that dinosaurs lived for a very, very long period of time, and then something big and bad happened, and all the, all, the, all the dinosaurs went away. But when we were first learning about it, no one knew what that really was. Something bad, something bad happened, dinosaurs went away. Sure. Yeah. Well, we talked about that. Episode 13, the Chicxulub Crater. Now, if, you, if you're you know working in this field, studying this field, now I haven't seen this, but presumably there is quite a bit of academic work and research and you know, presentation of the data that says, guess what? There was a gigantic, you know, six mile wide meteor that landed just off the Yucatan Peninsula uh, in the Gulf of Mexico at Chicxulub, Mexico, and that's the event that did all this. We were not taught that when we were when we were kids. So it's, I, I think it's very interesting to consider how uh, truth and fact can change over time and uh, i appreciate the fact that this is not a simple or easy or quick process uh and so i think it's there's something in nature, something about that that is uh sort of um compelling uh especially in the time of um the gop in this country and donald trump so to back up one small step just because I wanted to make sure I knew exactly what I was talking about, I decided to look up some very, very basic terms. So straight from Wikipedia, I'm sorry, straight from um, from the OED. What is what is a fact? So a fact is a data. A fact is a piece of data uh, about one or more aspects of a circumstance, which if accepted as true and proven true, allows a conclusion to be made based on it, it basically based on it being either true or false. Scientific facts are verifiable and repeatable. Uh, something that is that is known to be a truth is the property of being uh, in accordance with a fact or a, or reality. So, um, you know, in essence, um, you know, 
post-truth was is is that was that word that was was termed um by i think was a is a, a newspaper in the, in the uk but you know post-truth was the word of the year for 2016 and there was all that all that horse shit with um kellyanne conway spewing on fox news alternative about facts my, my my alternative facts also known as fucking falsehoods are just as good as your facts uh no they are fucking not kellyanne um so um one more a couple other you know pieces of terminology here uh the the term theory a theory a scientific theory is a it is a well confirmed repeatedly confirmed explanation of nature it's made in a consistent way it adheres to scientific method and um and it fulfills the criteria um, necessitated by modern science. It's not just a fucking guess. So theories are described in such a way that that scientific tests should be able to prove them or disprove them, right? This is, this is what scientists you know, do, what researchers do, attempt to prove and prove again and prove again and prove again, or disprove again and again and again this theory, right? Uh, and so this is... A scientific theory is something that is based on a boatload of work and reliable, comprehensive, and just fucking rigorous nonstop work, right? Which is why this half-life in some of these fields takes so damn long. So that gives us a very basic but broad foundation. So the, the scientific community is, is in the pursuit of doing this type of research and analysis uh and in scientists and that can i mean i include in that um those that work in the medical field or the social scientists you know sociologists political scientists anyone anyone who's crunching data anyone at all that is involved in the analysis and collection of information these people are the ones in our world who are the least likely they are the most reluctant to make grand pronouncements about anything right so when you when you see something in you see a headline that is scientists discover x and then they interview the scientist the scientist invariably says well we're we really we just don't really know we're not really sure we have this data point that is now that seems to be a bit of an outlier but we're not really sure what what this might might mean because they are incredibly reluctant to take ownership of something that is not backed up by a treasure trove of empirical and repeated testing and information right yeah, uh, pump pump the brake speed buggy we're not there yet <laughs> right exactly um, and so they, they, you know, they, they dive in, in, into these things uh, repeatedly and do as much as they possibly can to have confidence in in data that they are presenting, and they are they are want to make any any major conclusion, especially if that conclusion deviates from something that is already collectively accepted in 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 that field, right? Uh, and so. It takes a it is very very difficult and takes a lot of time and effort to make something that is currently a fact into a non-fact. You you can't do that overnight. No, gotcha. Uh, what's that? No, I got you. No, no, I'm I'm okay. I'd rock. I get it. Yeah, I you get it. So uh, my joke is, I mean, I mean, it's perfectly fine for me to have the the theory that the key to uh, longevity in human beings is to have a diet that is you know made up entirely of bacon grease and roofing shingles right um you know this is a uh, i mean we, i can set this up as, a, as, a, as an experiment and do a number of a number of tests on myself that are going to yield some pretty terrible fucking results because i'm going to be dead really quickly right there's not a lot of evidence to support my theory that this diet will do anything but just kill me so there's one, one more definition we're gonna we're gonna talk about briefly a delusion so a delusion is this is again straight from the old english dictionary a delusion is a false fixed belief that is not amenable to change in light of conflicting evidence um i find these definitions a little bit sort of grounding because sometimes I'm, when i'm when i'm thinking about something at length 
I'd like to go back to the very, very basic elements. Like, do I really know what I'm talking and thinking about when, when you consider the very, very you know, most basic terminology about a certain question? Um, so, you know, a, a delusion is something that is is difficult to refute for the per- for the person that is carrying that delusion. The distinction between a delusion and just a, a, an idea that is strongly held is difficult to make, and and it basically depends on the degree of conviction to which the belief is held, right? So, you know, if there, if, if there is, um, if the amount of evidence that is beginning to contradict that belief is, is, is becoming more and more compelling and there's more evidence to it, so, so therefore it has more veracity, if you still then refuse to, to reconsider your position, then, then you're suffering from a delusion. So, in other words, it's likely that you know after my, my first attempt at my my ba- you know my bacon grease covered roofing shingle, um, I'm probably going to start changing my mind after I've ingested five or six of them. I'm going to be shitting blood in the hospital, right? Um, and so, if you're lucky, <laughs> if I'm lucky, if at that point I still think that my theory has merit, then I'm obviously delusional. So, in I don't know, in just in reading and watching the news really now for several years and then listening to some, some of the things I've, I've been listening to um, recently, I have this huge fundamental concern about just the state of our society and the, and the willingness of a staggering number of people to believe things that are demonstrably false. Uh, I think that is just stupid. And at the end of the day, the thing that really bothers me the most about it is that it's just fucking dangerous. Texans and other other places as well in this country, but I, I live in Texas and so I'm going to focus on it. Texans think that they are safer what with unimpeded access to handguns. That is demonstrably and compellingly false. That is not true. It has never been true. People think also in Texas that uh, abstinence only uh, sex ed programs in high school will prevent pregnancies am- among teenagers. Again, complete unmitigated horseshit. That's not true. If you teach teenagers that they should just not have sex ever, guess what they do? They go fuck. Um, people think God is looking out for them. He's not. Uh, how many? I mean, how many pieces of evidence do you need through our history of people like? Seventh-day Adventists and Millerites who were convinced that the rapture was about to happen and who at midnight on the appointed day leapt off the top of the building convinced that God was going to catch them. That happened a lot. Um, And that's why they called it the Great Disappointment. (laughs) Exactly, right. Uh, And still, I was listening recently to uh, Carrie Lake, that crackpot from uh, Arizona, who's going on and on about all the, 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 the treasure trove of compelling information that shows that Trump won the election. Oh, seriously? I mean, I I just it's I I'm mind blown by the fact that there are I mean, happily there are people you hear now and again where that that initially bought the lie and they're now coming around to the fact, oh shit, there is no evidence. Okay. But there are still people who who think Trump won and somehow this election was stolen and there, and in you know, in spite of any evidence. These are people who are I mean, it, it is now it's not just delusion, it is true mental disease. Um, she strikes me as the kind of person who wanders into a bar holding a steaming pile of horse shit and saying to everyone, look, hey, I look what I almost stepped in. <laughs> right. Uh, so, uh, mm. I don't know. I, I went on this rabbit hole, and th- this is this is where I sort of wound up. Um, one other example here. Um, anyone with even a lick of sense, obviously, knows that the world is round right? Uh, it's it's not quite a sphere. It's real close to a sphere. But there are people out there that claim Christopher Columbus proved it was round when he sailed west. And that at that time, he and everyone else, at least those that were worried about such things, thought the world was <laughs> flat. Um, as, we, as we discussed, most folks in you know medieval times, uh, or even much later, were probably only, only concerned about, you know, not shitting themselves to death. Um, but this whole world world being flat versus the world being round, no one ever thought that. No one did. People that were looking at these things knew that the world was round going back to, I think, the third century BC. So 
Columbus was sailing west because he knew the world was fucking around. So he was looking for the West End. He didn't hit the West Indies. He hit the you know Caribbean basically, but he knew he was going to going to hit islands, and he was right. He wasn't surprised. By the year 2022, <laughs> there there is a shitload of science and technology and aeronautics and transportation and GPS and a whole just a whole host of bullshit that hinges on the fact that the world is a fucking sphere. Uh, every space program we've had going back to the 50s, Gemini, Apollo, Mercury, space shuttle, space station. How many photographs do we have of the fucking Earth at this point? How many thousands of hours of film footage and video footage do we have? And the Earth never turns into a disc in you know in the in the back of a, of a photograph, right? We can see. I mean, it's it's irrefutable that the world is round. Uh, so how is it possible that in 2018 there was a group founded called the New Flat Earth Society? Mind is fucking blown. Um, I'm not delusional. I I personally I like discovering things learning new truths learning new facts i don't care about being told that i'm wrong about something when i when i have a closely held belief that, that is then refuted by a compelling argument or a compelling set of facts that refute it i'm happy to to take that information on you know perfect example i know for a fact that i'm probably 50 pounds overweight and i know for a fact that because of that i have high blood pressure and my heart rate should be higher than it, than it should be i'm not delusional about it i'm not telling anyone that i'm um, svelte and going to you know go be a ballerina somewhere right um and yeah i very aware of the fact that god doesn't have a plan for me i know that there's no higher being looking out for me i don't have that delusion i have this thirst for knowledge i want to learn things i don't know but i don't understand the society we're in at this point because it feels like we are just corrupted by a profound delusion that is based in self-interest perhaps uh, because learning is now useless and time consuming and you know, a pointless endeavor because you can now just make up the shit that you want to be true and say it's true. Uh, and uh, at this point it just feels like an incredibly slippery slope and one that may not be reversible and that America has a half-life of its own. And that's how you return from a two-week hiatus. Boom. <laughs> um, I, I got a few. I got a few comments for you, Brian, if you don't mind. See, um, I, I should I should tell our, our listeners Morris is the academic among us, um, and so I need you to have opinions on this. <clears throat> well, first of all, the whole half-life idea—you saw that in motion with Fauci and the way people were getting all over Fauci and all over disease control and all that stuff uh, when they would say, well, now you're saying this, you know, you're saying that they're saying this and that because their knowledge of the situation has changed. It had a very right. short half-life right. because we're we, discovering we now new, have new information <laughs> about COVID. And you know what? You want new information. That's good. Right. The COVID right. research had a very short half-life. Second comment. <clears throat> it's bad enough trying to discern uh, shit from Shinola, if you will, Hmm. good from the bad when you already have tools in place that we fight against on a daily basis on a good day when we're not being delusional things like cognitive dissonance things right. like um bias things like inbuilt cognitive functions that we have that make it harder to discern between fact and fiction mm -hmm. right and then sure. you put on top of it this just absolute stubbornness of well i know that you're telling me it's it's like this um there was this piece i read it was a humor piece in the new yorker where these two little girls get into a fight over whether or not dumbo is an elephant <laughs> and the the one girl despite all of the but she's got big floppy ears like his mama and a big trunk dumbo is not an elephant but he sucks water through his trunk and he eats peanuts dumbo is not an elephant and it just you know it gets worse and worse and worse right okay so a couple of other quick comments um, when you refer to the dinosaurs and uh, I can never pronounce the name, what's the name of the place in the Yucatan? Chicxulub. Okay. I first thought when you were referring to what killed the dinosaurs, I thought you were referring to my story on Joseph Pujol, the farter of the Moulin Rouge. <laughs> so I'm glad you cleared that fight uh -huh, that yeah. for me. Yes. And all secondly, the dinosaurs were killed by a huge fart. Yeah. And then secondly, when you're talking about the alternative facts and Kellyanne Conway, Really, I mean, shouldn't she be terrorizing Ripley and the rest of the cast of the Nostromo somewhere? 
yeah i i mean <laughs> you can't um it, it is very very difficult to argue with an, with an idiot um and that's uh, i find that i am frequently in a position where i need to want to even though i know it's fruitless and you know these pundits keep keep letting these people come on the air it's like why do you do that why do you give them any any air whatsoever it, you know if you know know that they're going to spew complete bullshit that is not not you know not based in anything but what they you know their dreamland their little fairyland uh and then you don't call them on it i mean the the media are just allowing themselves to get fucked in the ass frankly um uh, and Jesus and mo and most um most frankly most democrats as well you i mean how how spineless utterly spineless can you be to allow these folks to just run you down and continue to dispute things that are clearly in i mean undeniably false and they come on well i mean we think it's clear that the you know the, you know there's the evidence is there that these body machines blah 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 and they're, and they're given they're given the air they're given the, I, it's my and we've got the these machines up. that can read the bamboo insignias that show that it comes from a chinese ballot which makes it part of the space laser that comes down and you right. by the time you're done they've they've covered up with so much bullshit that it takes you forever to dig out of it and by the time you dig out of it you've gone to commercial break right and then you have to start all over again right when you come back from commercial break so right so so yeah uh, you know, unfortunately, at, at this point point in time, you know, I can't name, I don't think a single prominent person in media that I think is worth a damn. Um, you know, I'm struggling to think, think of one. Uh, and I can't think of, a, think of a single, well, two or three perhaps Democrats who I think are even proximate to sane. Just like, w w you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, um, uh -huh. no, I'm depressed. I'm depressed now. And <laughs> welcome back. Yeah, let's go back to that guy who was farting a lot. Let's go back. <laughs> so next week we're gonna we're gonna just do an, an endless series of funny curse words. Just do, we'll do like thirty of them. <laughs> <laughs> have a little little palate cleanser. Just, just go through and read out funny last names from the phone book. <laughs> Throckmorton. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, well, there you go, folks. Uh, what are facts? And uh, a little story about protest. And that's what we are here at Dream Idiots. Sometimes it's wacky. Sometimes it's not. Uh, I hope we've given you something to think about and something to, to, to discuss with folks in a, in a calm and rational manner. Or not, if that's your if that's your groove, hey, whatever. Um, we're looking to, at least as far as I'm concerned, I think we're on a good stretch now to have all new episodes for the foreseeable future. I know that we both have a lot of stories uh, in the bank ready to go. So mm -hmm. um, thanks for coming along for the ride with us. And we will see you next time on episode 41 of Dream Idiots. Yep. Thanks a lot, folks. Keep listening and sharing and doing those things and uh, shoot us some reviews and uh, ratings if you get a chance. And we're going to be back with many, many weeks in a row with new episodes. So we'll be back again real soon. Bye. Be good to each other. <laughs>